Hi and welcome. My name is Josh Stone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. The Ignite podcast is dedicated purely to the engineering and construction industry. Join me as I interview serious change makers, leaders and business owners who are creating significant shifts in the industry, leading inspired teams, running successful businesses and in general, making big things happen. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is all about bringing like-minded change makers, leaders, and business owners in the engineering and construction industry together to share their stories, their strategies, their ideas, and their mindset on what's working for them right now in order to help you learn from the best to implement and to grow as well. Now, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. In the meantime, hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. Uh, Today I've been joined by Zoe Ether. Zoe, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, cool. Um, So I'll hand over to you, maybe a little bit about you and your journey to date. What's been happening? Sure thing. Well, uh, how far back do we go? So my name is Zoe Ether. Um, So I have a company called My Smart Community, uh, but I didn't always have my own company. I started off um, in civil and environmental engineering, um, and I studied that at QUT. Before that, I I was interested in maths and science, and and that's kind of how I got into engineering. Um, But I didn't really know what engineers did, to be honest. and I, I mean, I think I've worked it out uh, now, but basically I, I, someone said, oh, that's, you know, you, you like those subjects, um, why don't you try engineering? And then when I actually looked it up, I realised um, that I wanted to uh, work overseas, I really enjoyed people, I wanted to help people, and I ended up in, in that environmental kind of engineering space. Um, but the the degree at the time was civil and environmental, and I got a scholarship with civil engineering with the government, so um, that's how it kind of all worked out. So I packed up my bags, I grew up in Roma, um, so right. that's a small country town in Toowoomba, uh, sorry, in Queensland, I live in Toowoomba now, but um, ended up going to Brisbane and, and studying engineering. Um, and then I came out of that and worked at uh, state government, so transport and main roads, um, and started off in hydraulics, actually. And as much as I wanted to love it, and, and it was the most interesting time to be in hydraulics because it was during the 2011 floods, uh, it wasn't my game. Um, I didn't enjoy sitting at a desk doing computer modelling, actually. Um, I wanted more people engagement and and, and um, just talking to people and, and, and really, uh, I guess, um, I mean, I sit I do it office stuff now, but I just wanted to get out on site, like in construction. Um, and so I ended up out in um, construction. I got a uh, transfer with um, my government job. And um, yeah, I ended up in construction. So the flood, the floods uh, gave me work there too. So it was all flood damage work, so road construction. 
Um, and I loved the project management side of it. I realised that's actually what I'm, I'm quite good at, um, coordinating, talking to people, stakeholder engagement, um, even like systems, um, improving processes, all that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, you don't necessarily realise you're doing all that stuff until you look back. Um, and then I I worked on a really big project here in Toowoomba, which is how I ended up here in Toowoomba, called the Toowoomba Second Range Crossing, still with government, um, and but more on the, um, I guess I was in the office again and, and in the environmental space. But I really wanted to work overseas. So I was thinking about how I could do that, didn't really think it'd be possible with the government um, at the time. But kind of as soon as that thought entered my head, an email landed in my inbox um, and it was from our director general, so the biggest boss in transport uh, and main roads. And he had just been to South Korea uh, at a road congress and um, he got really excited about all the technology and things that were happening there. So he uh, wanted to do wanted to send one of his engineers over there in, type, in an engineering exchange. Um, and fortunately, I applied for that and I was successful. Um, so I lived and worked in South Korea for three months. Wow. And that's when I learned about smart cities. And I was fascinated by this this topic. And I was focused really on the transport um, element in the beginning um, because that was my background. So, you know, autonomous vehicles, um, using traffic um, and sensor data, that type of thing. And I thought, wow, what what a concept. Um, we can improve the way that we do things efficiently, effectively. And I mean, it's, it was just a really kind of exciting um time the first time I kind of heard about it and and what they were doing in that space and in Korea it's quite advanced um you know fast internet in the world um they'll test and try technology um they're researching technology um just on a it's just a a really huge scale like the amount of PhDs I met um it was just you know every second person or you know more than that seemed to have a PhD which not that you need to have a PhD but it was just like research 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 right um, and there were so many other different concepts as well that I picked up, like um, um, automatic pothole detection and, and that type of thing as well. So, um, so I lived and worked in South Korea for three months, um, and it was about building relationships uh, for, for the Queensland government, um, and it was an amazing experience. Um, and I also got to go to some really massive construction projects as well, like big, big bridge projects and, and tunnel projects and see the innovations that are happening in that space too. Um, but when I came back, I um, I got a really great job in um, autonomous vehicles. So connected autonomous vehicles, it's called the CAVI project, which is the mm -hmm. Connected and Automated Vehicle Initiative. Um, so that was with the state government as well. Yep. Um, and that was a fantastic job, fantastic opportunity. And that project um, has continued on and um, is um, the, the, the trial. It was basically a trial of 500 connected vehicles as well as an autonomous component in, in those number of different areas. Um, and so I was working on that project and I learned so much and again, really, really great opportunity. Um, but what I wanted to do was really dive into this smart city concept and particularly at a more strategic level of um, how we can collaborate across you know, different levels of government and industry and academia. Um, and so I decided that I, want, I needed to learn more about um, what was happening around the world and I uh, decided to start a podcast um, and that's how I um, I guess built my network in the smart city space and, and initially it was just I wanted to talk to more people about it um, and yeah. there's only 
you know, so many people in your very small area. So it was all remote. It was all remote before before COVID um, and because I want to help people around the world. Um, that was a conflict of interest at my government job. So I left my good, secure government job um, to start the podcast. Uh, and also because you can only eat passion for so long, <laughs> I started my own consultancy as well. Um, and that was around 2018. Um, and I was very fortunate to uh, meet a lot of different people uh, in the very, like after I left um, left government and um, secured some uh, foundational contracts um, that I could start um, straight away with. And one of those being Arup, which is a big engineering consultancy. Um, and I've been contracting to them ever since. And I also do a number of other different things um, as well with my business, very much about the smart city space. Um, but we don't call it smart cities. We call it smart communities because mm -hmm. It's not just about the big cities, it's about regional areas as well, um, but also it's about the humans. Um, so we wanted to really shift that language so we could engage the everyday person in this conversation. Uh, because if you only have, you know, tech, technology people or engineers or, you know, um, just one type of person in this space, then you can't get the outcomes that you're actually seeking. Um, so we shifted our language to smart communities so that we could really bring a whole bunch of different people in this space because it affects everybody, it affects all of our lives, change is happening whether we like it or not, um, no matter what industry you're in. Um, so we really want to bring that to, to the forefront. And so we've been doing that ever since. Um, and I guess um, as an engineer, um, trying to bring in those um, systems thinking concepts and that rigor around what we're actually doing, I think has really helped me um, kind of shape what this space will look like. Damn, huge download. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I was like, I need to stop talking now because I think I've just like no, well, given the whole life story. There you go. Whole life story. So a couple of things. Um, mm. I'm a Twomba boy, so I'll be there for, for Easter. So <laughs> drop it in and say hi. Yeah, um, sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a fair bit in that download and like, wow, journey, um, that's incredible. I guess where I want to start the conversation is, so the concept of smart cities and smart communities is like, I'm, I'm super fascinated by that. And I really think that, um, particularly through COVID while cities were shut down and that sort of stuff, I think that sort of presented a whole bunch of challenges, but I guess, for you, like what's what's the end game? What's your vision? Like what are you trying to create? Obviously, you modelled um, everything that you learned overseas and you kind of want to bring that into Australia. But like, um, yeah, what, is, what does this look like for you? Yeah, that's a really great question. So a smart community is one that uses new ways of thinking, technology and data to make the places that we work, live and play more accessible, livable and sustainable for all. So for me there's it's not like necessarily a an end product like oh now this is a smart city or this is a smart community it's really the journey and the process of changing the way we think doing things differently to make things more effective and more efficient in some areas but then also more livable and sustainable in other areas depending on what we're talking about and also thinking about the people that may not have access to the services and networks and things that they actually need right now how do we use technology and data to really help those people gain access so then they can live their best life um because 
if we're only focused, if we're only focused on people that, you know, know how to like have that digital literacy already and, and we're improving things and now they've, wow, now I've got an autonomous vehicle so I can be even more productive. We're just continuing to, to build that divide and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and widen that, that gap. So for me, smart communities is really a way to address these really big wicked problems that we know exist in the world climate change also being one of those um yep. equity those type of things and you know it may that may seem like you know huge and oh my god that's overwhelming but actually we can start really small and we can start with little things and we can actually start with the mindset of um people so then we can actually think about doing things differently because if we keep doing it the way we've always done it we know that we're not going to get to the outcome that we want to get to which again it's it's not this shiny utopia thing at, at, and oh, now everybody's fine. It's still life. We still have to live it. There will still be changes. There'll still be um, crisis within, you know, our individual lives and then on a global scale as well. But we'll be able to be more resilient because we've thought about those things and we're using the best tools at our fingertips to be able to um, really input into our own lives. But then also the work we do can feed into improving other people's lives as well. Um, an example, I guess, um, is like I love working with local government because they're like the coalface with the community. They're the mm -hmm. they're the front line, um, and you know some people might not understand what local government does, and, and and which is totally fair. Like they might think, oh well, they pick up my bins, um, they supply me with water, I pay them rates, um, they fix the roads, but. They do so much more than that. They offer so many community services, um, you know, and, and also they can't choose their customers, right? Um, and they have to continue to serve 24 seven, 365 days a year. Um, they're, they're serving us as, as citizens and, and, and they have uh, the, uh, the accountability, the responsibility to do so. Um, so it's a complex job, right? And, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a big job. And I think, um, so many passionate people are in government now in local government now <clears throat> excuse me because they understand they, they want to be able to serve the community that really public um servant right this is and when when and that you know again it's it's not a it's not a um it's, it's 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 not a secret that sometimes we think that what are they what are public servants doing etc like you know these conversations happen but when you mm. actually work with you know what's happening you don't i guess each council is different each each people are focusing on different things but at the end of the day um they're serving the community and um there's this real um passion within that to to continue to improve things particularly when they're thinking about smart cities and smart communities yeah but it can be quite overwhelming, right? You think smart city, for example, oh, technology, oh, blockchain, oh, like, um, you know, oh, we have to have Wi-Fi everywhere, whatever the case is. But actually, if we start with the pain points first, then we can have really different conversations. So um, I've been doing um, a, a number of different um, projects with different um, councils and, and um uh, in terms of um, sometimes I, I work um, through large engineering firms, sometimes I'm directly with them. And I've also been doing some research as well through my master's. Yep. Um, and one project in particular, which I love is, um, and, and it was an idea um, uh, that I first uh, came across was in South Korea, actually, the automatic pothole detection. So basically, um, we were able to work with a uh, Queensland council um and we started off with a really small pilot with a local startup who um had a had a 
had this camera that had an algorithm behind it that could pick up cracks, um, potholes, different defects, also signage and, and you know overhanging trees and all these other type of things as well. We'll focus on the road. Um, so we introduced them and we that we started a small pilot just to prove the concept, which was like one um, ute. Uh, like a, a maintenance truck um, and now uh, that was in 2018 mm-hmm. and now um, they're full I think they're nearly either their full fleet or or most of their fleet of garbage trucks has been fitted with these cameras and what that means is one you're utilizing an asset um, that is already doing the rounds um, yep. but what it means is now we have an up-to-date uh, lay of the land um, we know what the our road assets are looking like um, in terms of defects every every week, and some people might think, "Well, why would you? Why would you need that? Why is that exciting?" Being a transport nerd engineer, it I just find is. It, exciting. it just <laughs> is. But also, it means that this amount of data at this level of um, quality and accuracy has never ever been available before um, before now, and every council's has a pain point around um, resources, um, particularly these big assets that, you know, we may not even think about how much they're actually worth, but millions of dollars, right? Um, each council has a, a whole range of um, roads um, and, and and different defects that go so, uh, that associate with those. Now, what it means is if we know what the road condition is, we can intervene earlier potentially um, and we can extend the life of the asset. And that can be hundreds of thousands and even millions of dollars um, over time. Um, and what that means is, okay, now we have more money to spend on, maybe we extend, um, maybe we can improve the quality um, or the level of, um, you know, quality of the road, yep. which improves safety, which we all want, right? We don't, we don't want potholes um, in, our, in our roads. Improve safety for the community. But also what it means is we can now have more money for things that the community maybe really cares about. Maybe it's a... Uh, better um, better access to a different type of service or maybe it's more community events or maybe it is then now we have uh, maybe have a saving that we can invest in a certain type of technology yep. but it's about using the data to make better decisions and when we can actually well one you need the data to be able to do that you need data at that level of quality but then you need uh, those skill sets to be able to say this is what I think we should do so that project, um, and thinking about that as you know, one data set um, for one source, so maintenance, for example, we can get a lot of benefit just from using that data source to improve maintenance and, and prioritization of um, you know, scheduling of pothole um, repair and all that type of stuff as well. But um, one of the, pro- the research projects I was doing is looking at how can we then use that um, for our capital works um, process as well. So then those big um, investments into resurfacing and rehabilitation of roads, how can we use that data now that we have it? Now we, um, it's, it's, it's accurate, it's, it's up to date. Um, it's not, you know, six, nine months old because um, we know that then it, it may not be as useful. How can we then use that in, in, in those aspects as well? Um, which again, maybe people think, well, that's roads, whatever. Um, but think about the money that we can save so then we can spend that on other things. But then also think about, okay, well, what else could we use it? Like this, it's not, um, it's not a finite um, thing. We go, well, what else could we use this data for? Maybe we could use this for better corridor planning or um, new streets, or um, maybe we could look at how we can um, improve uh, maybe a, a local a local street based on um, the 
the I don't know the next time we upgrade this road maybe we can bring it forward and maybe now we can have cycle lanes or maybe we can do some road dieting um so we can have which is very jargon term that I shouldn't use um for people that don't know but thinking about how we can um make it uh, more attractive for pedestrians and kids and and those type of things and and really think about how we can improve the the quality of life of people by by using the built environment the assets that we have mm-hmm. to make them places that people really really want to that people want to be um yep. that, that that we can um yeah we want to just not use them as going to and from places but where play where we actually want to be and where we can you know live in our streets and our places and you know green trees and all those type of things so yeah it's not just about advanced technology but those basic um elements you want to build on top of those as well and it sounds like it's yeah you like from what you've just said it's not necessarily like maybe the long-term play or the long-term game is so people probably potentially what comes to mind when you say smart cities is flying cars and things going through clear plastic tubes and like internet that's connected to everything and AI and all these sorts of things going on, um, which you know may potentially happen in in the future. But it sounds like what you're doing is at a very granular level with your clients and the work that you're doing with local councils and that sort of thing. Actually, and I'm, I'm curious to understand the engagement with the community to find out. Um, you know what their pain points are and, and their problems are, but it sounds like yeah, you're really understanding what a what a granular issue is, but overlaying it with and I talk to my clients, my, my coaching clients, all the time about this. Just because we did it a certain way for the last 10, 15, 20 years doesn't mean that that's the way that it'll be done into the future. And if we can overlay all of our expertise and knowledge and understanding of how stuff works and fits together, but overlay that level of I guess I'd call it curiosity as well as innovation to how could we do things better um, with uh, the information that we have at hand or could we um, strap a whole bunch of high-def cameras to garbage trucks and get a whole bunch of information that then allows us to maintain roads, do things differently that saves us money and then by the way, community, we can now invest this money in other things that you want to do to make your city or town uh, more enjoyable. So mm. what's what's the process there for that engagement piece? Yeah, I mean, it really depends. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to understand what are these biggest pain points that the community is talking about. And there's a whole bunch of different tools that people can, can use. And, and some yep. of it's really basic. Some of it is, you know, workshopping face-to-face or online, depending on... Um, you know what works or, or a combination actually of both um with with the council um to understand internally what's happening council government even organization this doesn't this isn't just i mean i love working with state local and state government um also love working with organizations because the same the methodology is is the same to continue to improve um, but with the community really listening to what what they're talking about and maybe you already have done a lot of this engagement so you can actually use that it's not you don't put everything smart in a bucket over here and then this is we deliver this so I'm like you were saying um, you know it's not necessarily flying cars and that type of thing but we do keep up to date and abreast of those situ- those, those um, developments because we know that they can disrupt us. Um, mm-hmm. We know that you know um, there may be benefits for autonomous vehicles in terms of safety and that type of thing, but maybe not everywhere and maybe in certain circumstances. But we want to keep up to date to make sure that we are continuing to um, 
you know, also input into, like we want to shape what these look like. We don't want them just to land on us necessarily um, as much as possible, of course. And um, we know, you know, for example, thinking about say um, uh, ride share, we had that service available before, it was called a taxi. There was just a lot more friction um, involved where we had to call, um, maybe we didn't know where we were, maybe we um, didn't know the suburb, maybe, you know, we were on the wrong side of the street, whatever the case is. Um, but also there was a phone call interaction, there was something there and there was a price and there was a thing. Removing some of that friction really revolutionized how um, we now book um, our, our transportation. Um, but then thinking about that in terms of, um, you know, that, that service was already available. Similarly with, say, Uber Eats um, or, you know, DoorDash, Manulog, whatever, I have no affiliation with any technology. Um, that service was available for certain um, types of people and, and um, as in certain um, um, populations of the community mm -hmm. um, called Meals on Wheels, um, those type of things, you know, this service was available. And, you know, if we really wanted it to be available, we could, you know, we maybe could have organized a restaurant to be able to do that. We could have got our friend to go pick it up. But again, that level, those friction points, again, more friction points, then also seeing what's possible. Oh, this is quite easy or this is convenient, that type of thing as well. Those things kind of dropped on us and, and now they're, 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 you know, parts of most people's, most people's lives in some form. And mm. I think that's the same thing that, you know, these things we couldn't necessarily, you know, the, uh, it was, a, it was, it was there. We, um, we, um, didn't necessarily know what that was going to do. So there's all these other things we want to keep ahead, not necessarily ahead. I don't think we can actually keep ahead of the innovation, but we can get involved in it and shape it. Um, so we want to not just dismiss, oh, well, that's, you know, that's stuff in the future, whatever. So we do, so it's a kind of a bit of a combination. You want to show what's possible and, you know, maybe um, it's an application, uh, a really limited application, but we can still learn from those, um, from those things as well. So that was a bit of a side note, but there, we do want to look at those things, but also the application of it is really important. So we're talking about AI, for example. So, you know, who would have thought potholes and AI would have something in common? It's not necessarily that we go, oh, we need AI. No, no, we have this pain point and then the use case um, uses AI as a tool um, and machine learning as, uh, as that tool. Um, so we've got to really think of technology as tools and what's the best tool to use. And maybe it is a hammer, um, that maybe that's the best thing we need to use or maybe it's a chainsaw or maybe it's something completely different that doesn't even exist yet. Um, so there's those type of things that we need to continue to consider. So it's not just about, um, you know, I guess, like you, there's kind of like the really big stuff that we look towards the future and the horizon and, and, and not losing sight of where we want to get to. Um, but then also realizing we need those basic fundamentals. And you mentioned uh, internet connectivity. It's really important. It's a utility. It's a human right now that we have connection to the internet, right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, particularly we know during the pandemic, if you didn't have access to the internet, you didn't have access to information that was actually life and death like it mm -hmm. was really big deal um and the opportunities that the internet has afforded to us um are really real and they're huge and yes there's negatives and we know that there's negatives to any type of technology and data but we want more people and different skill sets to get involved so then we can continue to identify those and maybe even get ahead of the curve to make sure that we can actually mitigate um a lot of those impacts and risks um the negative ones uh, and really then um, amplify the positive ones. And 
and making sure that people that, um, like we talked about earlier, people that wouldn't necessarily have access to maybe they couldn't afford it, but actually we need to think about the opportunities that that could give um, people and then think about how the solutions that need to be in place so we can actually maximise it and close that gap again like we were talking about um, earlier. Yeah. Sorry, that's kind of going everywhere. I can't remember what your original question was. No, that's all right. Ask it again? I know what I know what you mean though with the internet. We just had we had we lost internet for a month, uh, a week with the recent floods down here in northern New South Wales. I couldn't run my business yeah. for a whole week. Like it's and everyone was just like, you know, couldn't find information out about how to get rescued, where people were, what they were doing. Like it was just and people were so used to that level of connectivity that when it was gone, it was like um going back 10 or 15 years, I just did, they had no idea how to connect and communicate with, with um, friends, family and loved ones. Yeah, exactly. And I think your original question was around engagement and that's yeah. what we really need to think about. The channels of communication and the language that we're using when we are talking to a community um, it are different to the ones we are using when we're talking to, say, um, a technology provider or a local government because we know that uh, they need to consume things in different ways. And so that's another really important part of the smart community approach that mm. it's not a one size fits all. So in some circumstance, and again, you engage with the local government and the community groups to be able to understand what the community actually needs. You're not necessarily going to be able to ask every single person in the community. But if you offer enough channels for, for information, for input, um, then you can get a sense of um, what it is those big pain points are. Um, and you want you want the stories and you want the numbers. They're really important. And when I say numbers, I mean data. So, you know, yep. real real things that are, you know, maybe the pain point is um, this certain area might not have access to the internet, for example. And um, if you look at the, the data, <clears throat> that area may um, have maybe a low level of income or something like that. So you may be thinking about, well, is that a correlation? Is that, a, you know, is that a cause and effect? Is it just a thing that's happening? But is that a real pain point? A point? Are people actually saying, this is a real issue? Um, I can't access the internet or, or whatever the case is. So there's a whole range of different things. Or maybe it's, um, uh, for example, in, in Orlando, um, when I was doing my uh, research piece around the world, went to Orlando, um, they were identified as number one dangerous by design. Um, there was a report out in the, so it's not really a title you want to have, but <laughs> <No>. um, <clears throat> dangerous by design for pedestrians. Um, and, you know, very car centric and you go there and, and you realize that. And they went, well, that's a really big pain point. And um, the other thing is they wanted to, they, they knew climate change um, was something uh, that they wanted to tackle as well. So their smart city approach focused in on improving um, things for pedestrians and, and making it more walkable, more livable, um, you know, improving public transport, improving things for cyclists as well. So um, they're, they're, uh, and also that sustainability aspect. So they were the kind of things that they were looking at. So we're talking things like cycle lanes, using traffic data to understand uh, how pedestrians move, where people want to go. Uh, but they were also looking at um, different technologies, uh, transport technologies like autonomous vehicles and that type of thing. You seem like the type of person that is really good at the um the strategic piece in terms of uh, where are we going, what are the opportunities, how do we think outside the box, what stuff that we already have available to us that we could repurpose in a way that, you know, creates a better outcome or a different outcome, but also 
come across as someone that can get right down to the nuts and bolts and the detail. Like, again, if I talk think or think about a lot of my coaching clients in the industry, um, that's a skill, particularly in the engineering and construction industry, that's um, hard to come by in terms of like being able to bridge that gap between high level strategy and thinking about things and then and then grounding it down um, for a client to understand. Like, how do you? Is that something that comes naturally to you? Is that something you've had to work on? Um, how do you go about that process? Because I imagine that you talk to a whole bunch of different people at a whole bunch of different levels and you have to kind of switch between the two to get the best outcome. Yeah, great question. Um, I guess in terms of strategy and big picture, um, thinking about my engineering background, I think that's really helped to kind of go there's a whole system of things here. We really need to think at all those kind of different levels. Um, but then bringing that into my experience on projects, so that implementation um, and in construction in particular, you had to do both and you had to do it at the same time. Yep. Um, like being the project manager, you had to think, okay, where is this going? Not just like, oh, by the end of today, we're going to get to this to here. It's like, and also regional areas, remote areas in particular, because if you don't order the fuel in time um, at the exact moment that you um, don't, you know, you're not going to run out, but you need to optimize the, um, you know, the capacity and all those type of things as well. You think about all those things they are all a big system and whether it's a community, whether it's a road construction project, um, those you have to consider different things. You have to consider different contexts. So I've always thought about, um, uh, yeah, I've had to kind of do both of those things. But the other thing is that you don't necessarily have to be able to do both of those things. But what you, excuse me, what you have to um, realize is identify those things that you are you are really good at or that you really mm-hmm. like to do in any job that you do, um, whether you work for yourself or whether you work for somebody else. But but that you don't have to do it alone, that you want to bring in the people um, that have those skill sets. And that's what smart communities are all about as well, is bringing in those different voices, whether it's the community to tell to identify those pain, fo- pain points. They have a lot of smarts that you that you want and the information that you want, a lot of data that you want. Um, but then also on the flip side, you want to bring in the technology providers that can tell you about their latest technology or what the capability is or whatever. Um, you need the, the strategic thinkers to think, oh, where can we go with this? Yeah. You want the data you know, and you want local government, those type of things. It's all these different skills that, that you want to really bring together. So, yeah. I guess like thinking about that, you don't have to have those, um, all of those skill sets, but bringing in the people that are really good at those things. Yeah, I love that because it's it's a way of uh, increasing or maximising your effect, looking at the things that you're good at, your strengths. Um, I'm also a firm believer that you can, like the areas, 100% double down on your strengths and, and use that to progress things forward. But also if there are, areas that you are not so great at but you really want to get good at you know the brain's malleable we can teach ourselves new skills that does require us to get outside of our comfort zone and to challenge ourselves to do things differently um but uh yeah i like the way that you're approaching that in terms of um 
if you're not good at something, don't beat yourself up. Just, you know, bring a, bring a community of people together to, 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 to be better. Yeah, and we can't do everything, right? There's yeah. so many things that I want to be out, that I want to do, but it's a list and it's a prioritisation um, of those things as well. So, yeah, and you might try a lot of different things, but then working out what it is you want to um, pursue, <clears throat> excuse me, is really about thinking about what are the things I really love to do, what are the things I'm quite good at, and then um, who else do I need to get involved to be able to push that forward. Yeah, awesome. Um, I want to shift gears a bit and go to your business. And um, so, you know, been going for four years or, or thereabouts. What have been your your biggest lessons and learnings in growing your own consultancy? Wow. Um but there's a number of different skills that you need to run a business and they're different to the skills you need to be a, a professional or, a, you know, a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of need to be a bit of everything. Um, and I think that's also the strategic thinking, you know, building, growing your business, but then also having to actually do the work as well. Yep. I guess that you can do more than one one thing has been a really big learning for me particularly um i you know i have the podcast and that's like my creative outlet but then i also do really you know kind of traditional um traditional in the sense of it's it's consulting or engineering but then really trying to push the boundary to think more strategically about smart cities and the future and and what what could we do differently now to really shape what that looks like they're good um the other thing uh about running your own business i guess is what we were just talking about earlier that you may have to be you may have to do kind of everything to start with um and and you'll work out what you like and what you don't like but then outsourcing those things that you need as business like bookkeeping for example those type (laughs) of things um and then being able to outsource that and bring bring that team in around you. You don't necessarily have to just have employees, um, which is obviously great as well, um, based on their skill sets too. But also thinking about that team. Um, so, uh, you know, my, my team consists of, um, uh, we've got uh, like my business coach, we've got um, bookkeeping, we've got social media, we've got podcast production, because that's what, you know, I need in my mm-hmm. business. Um, but yeah, bringing in those people is really important. But then also thinking about what you want your business to look like. Not every business needs to be, um, you know, built into a hundred employee, you know, big scale, whatever. You can scale in different ways and you might scale, um, you know, in terms of revenue, um, but maybe you don't need a, a huge massive team and you have to really think about what you want. And that'll change and shift over time as well. Um, and I think I've, you know, learned that and will continue to learn those type of things as well because it's up to you what you want it to look like. Um, and so it's thinking how do you build it so then you can have the life that you want as well because when you have your own business and even when you work for somebody else, it affects, you know, not just, it's not just work, it's your life. Um, so thinking about the lifestyle that you want your business to afford you um, in terms of time and not just money, but in terms of time 
um, and being able to adapt and flex um, if that's really important to you. So it's a really around shaping it around your values, um, which that. is not often something you th- maybe don't think about when you're working on a construction job or whatever, but I think more and more now, particularly after the pandemic, thinking about our values and what we want to, how we want to shape our businesses and and our lives around that. So I think that's key too. Yeah. And what have you enjoyed the most about the journey so far, like in terms of, um, yeah, growing your business, working with clients, like t- tell me some fun stuff. I think for me, I, I mean, I love working with local government and state government as well. I love meeting different people that are really different to me. So not just engineers. I love engineers too. They're great. <laughs> um, but particularly in the creative space as well, like being a podcaster, really, it's like networking on steroids. The amount of different people you meet from all around the world and you're there to have this conversation. Um, you meet, you know, people that have completely different lives to you and you can learn something from each other which I really love so being able to do that in a really flexible way has been I guess the most amazing thing yeah yeah cool love that um last question and I haven't uh necessarily prepared you for this but that's okay um say you are yes have, yeah, just to last question, say you are, um, you know, you obviously you're the, sum, you're the sum total of all your experiences today, wins, lessons, learnings, failures, all that sort of stuff, um, and you're catching up for a coffee with your 10-year younger version of yourself. Um, I guess for me, what advice would you give to the 10-year younger version of yourself? Mm, great question. Is It doesn't guarantee this kind of linear path and it's actually really hard to you don't take a linear path and you sometimes can't really identify, you don't know where you're going to end up. Um, And that success is not looking at your life and, or actually rather other people looking at your life and thinking it's successful or not. It's a feeling that you have and, and what you're going to drive forward and that really good things happen in the world. There's some really bad things and terrible things as well, but sometimes it can just be like, oh, this is actually really good and this is working. And to celebrate those things as well when they are, not just wait for the next bad thing to happen, I suppose, and like, oh, this is too good to be true or um, I'm, you know, I don't deserve this or, or those type of things. So a lot of self, I guess, that that growth. But even if I told myself 10 years ago that I probably wouldn't have listened to myself and it is this journey, <laughs> right, um, that you learn these things. You have to learn them uh, over time um, and over different experiences that you had, that you have. And um, people often say, like, you know, grab every opportunity, but I actually think it's, it's not the complete opposite of that, but you want to really think about the opportunities that are available and the opportunities you want to grab are ones that really speak to you, not the one that's not the person that's offering you that opportunity. They might have your best interests at heart, but at the end of the day, you understand you more than anyone else and you can listen and you can, and you can take everything in, but you actually don't have to take on everyone's advice and everyone's feedback, which might sound really obvious, but it's surprising how often we do that. Um, 
and we don't really we're not thinking about what it is for us that we want um and you won't know the exact answer and what you want today might be different to tomorrow but it's actually building that direction but i guess also a good example of that is continue to look out for those opportunities and find them um so for me the uh, winston churchill fellowship was one of the biggest things um in 2019 uh, it feels like a lifetime ago because i was traveling around the world um which you know nearly impossible now i'm starting to come back um, but that i someone said to me oh it's very competitive and i said great yes let's do it and it is very competitive but if i didn't put my if i didn't um believe in myself enough to be able to do that and also maybe i didn't believe in myself but i went oh well i'll fill out the application i'll do the thing you don't lose anything by doing that by doing that but then um yeah if you're successful then you can get this have this amazing opportunity and it's not again a linear it's not like oh that happened and then this happened and then this happened this happened this might happen over here and then you might go on this way and then you might go that way and then you would go this way again and i think um yeah you can't really you don't really know where that's going to head and i think that's the uncertainty of it all is um is even if you think yeah the only certain thing is uncertainty i think is the phrase but um that's as a you know 10 year younger me as a graduate engineer um again even if i told myself then 10 years ago i wouldn't have listened and gone oh my god what am i doing um but then you're <laughs> jumping into your own business is is a risk and it's not for everybody right that's the other thing too not everyone has to have their own business or totally follow the same path and i think um as long as we have this mindset that we're continually trying to you know live towards our values and whether that's working for somebody else or ourselves or a combination um then we can kind of start to live the life that we actually want um and that uh yeah we can shape what we actually want that to be and we can start asking for things that might be a little bit out of the norm um so yeah i i, I think yeah i wouldn't have listened to myself, but that's probably what I would tell myself. That's, what, that's so good. That's what I would have told myself, but I wouldn't have listened anyway. Anyway, all good. Um, Zoe, been a lot of fun. Um, no more questions for me. I've really enjoyed our, our chat today. Um, where can people follow along with your journey? Um, many different places, um, but mainly LinkedIn is where I hang out. You can come to our website, which is www.mysmart.community. Uh, that's it. Um, you can email me at zoe at mysmart.community. And you can also listen to the podcast, which is the Smart Community Podcast on your favourite podcast player. Um, but if you have any questions at all, do just shoot me a message uh, on LinkedIn mainly or email um, and, and we can have a chat. I'm always up um, to have a chat with people if if you've if any of this is of interest but also if you just have a question uh about you know anything starting engineering um that type of thing i love talking to people um and i often get a lot of requests on how, how do i shift into the smart city space or how i i'm just starting my career what's your advice and that type of thing so have it a chat at any time awesome that's great um all right well that's it for me um thank you so much thank you talk to you again soon hey Thanks, Josh. That was great. Really enjoyed this conversation. Look forward to the next one. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Don't forget, if you'd like some help growing yourself, 
your team or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources. Or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. Don't forget also to hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Take care, my friends, and see you again soon.